What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest green solution for pickup. And use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we jump into this Victory Monday podcast, Mace, we got to tell the people about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. And you guys know all about this coffee. It is fantastic, especially for a Victory Monday. It helps get you the caffeine you need in a delicious coffee form, and it also gets you CBD, which helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anxiety, you name it, it helps you. If you have anything going on with your body, this will help you, and so make sure you get on it. So many people at our office use it, and if you want to use it as well, use the code DNVR20. It's that magical code, DNVR20, to receive 20% off. Mace? How you doing? I'm doing lovely. I'm trying to to quickly squeeze in a bite of my breakfast sandwich because, quite <laughs> frankly, I was up late last night and I got as much sleep as I could this morning. And literally, I woke up about 30 minutes before we started this. Uh, 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 well, good so morning. Everything is kind of compressed and squeezed together. Well, is it a good morning? It's a good morning. I'm currently looking at the ESPN QBR rankings for week 13. Drew Locke posted a 45.9 ESPN QBR, 18th of 30 quarterbacks, just a little bit below average. And it was a little bit below the maligned Phillip Rivers, 48.3 yesterday. I don't want to get too caught up in numbers, especially given that this game plan clearly was about putting Drew Locke in bubble wrap. This was a fear-based game plan. And Zach, I'm getting into the light of the next day. We're a little removed from the contest now. And I can't for the life of me understand why a 3-8 and eight team has reason to do that. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. But Mace, I'm looking at ESPN's app and it says Drew Locke had a 55.7 QBR, which would be which would be great if he was above average in his first start. Raw QBR, not total QBR. Oh, I did not know there was there, a difference. There's a difference between okay. the two. Okay. And what's the difference? The total QBR, I believe, adds in the value of each play. Okay. Into it. Gotcha. Like a two-yard pass doesn't get the same as right. a 27-yard pass. So a uh, 
the expected gain on each play. So in raw QBR, he's 14th. There we go. That's above average. There we go. Above average. And Philip Rivers is below average. Total QBR (laughs) helps Philip Rivers hurts Drew Locke. Right, right. And and Philip Rivers had bigger plays. I mean, hence why Drew Locke, Mace, it is crazy that Drew Locke had 134 passing yards. And he had 73 of those in the first quarter. That is crazy that after the first quarter... In, the, in quarters two, three, and four, he had less total combined than he did in the first quarter. And don't forget, if you take out that 33-yard pass to Cortland Sutton at the end of the first half, which, by the way, right. think about this. You could try a 65-yard field goal. You could go for the Hail Mary. Again, what's your record? Three and eight. And instead, you choose to just dump it down the middle and get some fancy points. Yeah, I don't get that. I do not get that. And so even while I can praise the ability to get Drew Locke ready for his first start and not embarrass himself, an equal part of this, Zach, is learning what Drew Locke has. And I don't think you're going to learn what he has if you get up by 14 points, he's got momentum, and then you... Put the parking brake on. Yep. And it bothers me even more than it did last night. Yeah, I completely agree. So, Mace, the question that we promised we'd get the people to get to for the people today, I'm just going to ask you straight up. Should we be pumping the brakes on Drew Locke? You've had 18 hours-ish to digest the, the win and what he did. Well, I think I've been pumping the brakes by saying that there's going to be a regression against the Texans and Chiefs, just because of who you're playing, where you're playing them, and also because we see this often from young quarterbacks. I plan to de- to dive into the numbers of this as the week goes on, but one of the reasons why you need to get him on the field no later than week 13 if the season is lost, you probably need to get him out there earlier, but we've beaten that into the ground as to you know, why the Broncos didn't do that and uh, why they erred in not getting him on the practice field earlier. But you need a sample size on Drew Locke. And five games is pretty much the absolute minimum for getting that first start that usually catches the foe by surprise, accounting for defensive adjustments, and then seeing what the Broncos and Drew Locke do to counter those defensive adjustments. So we're in Act 1 right now. Act 2 starts next Sunday in Houston. And at times it may not be pleasant, just like it was not pleasant for Brandon Allen. The difference between Allen and Drew Locke is that there's a lot more there with Drew Locke in terms of quarterback skills and arm talent where you're going to give him a little bit more time and you're going to give him more opportunities. Brandon Allen, don't forget, had had a lot of opportunities in preseason had been cut by both the Jaguars and Rams over the years and had not stuck. So uh, you had a verdict on him in part because of what he'd done over the years. Drew Locke, you don't have that yet. And he does come to the table with more talent, more hopes, more quarterback attributes than for the NFL level than you saw from Allen. So you're going to need to give him some time. No, no, no. I'm not letting my foot off the gas one bit with Drew Locke. Now, Mace, you you do have a good point. I'm I'm thinking more long-term on Drew Locke in terms of pumping the brakes because what we saw last night, at least what I saw, 
was magnificent. It was gave me so much hope about what he was. can be. But it wasn't him that that changed it. It was the coaching staff, and that's why I think some people may may look back a day later and say, "Okay, the Broncos did get the win. Drew Locke was good in the first quarter, but look, he had a hundred and thirty-four passing yards. He had an." average QBR he had an 80 uh, a passer rating in the 80s and I think people may may kind of take their foot off the gas but what I say is that wasn't him Mace that was the offensive coordinator and the offensive philosophy that totally crushed him and so don't look at the stats because the stats don't accurately represent what he did what he did when he was given an opportunity and not what only he could do exactly and not only on the field but Mace, the things that we learned after the game and the things that we already knew about him we, that, that were confirmed yesterday, the leadership, the fire and passion, uh, the confidence, not only, you know, it's great to have confidence, right? But the confidence to go in on your 15th play, your ninth pass of your NFL career. And change and the route. Change the route. That leads to a touchdown. I mean, the things that Drew Locke showed me in his very first game, to me, I say I say there's no limits. So I'm 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 pushing that that gas pedal even harder. We're accelerating even faster. While I think you did have a good point that there is a chance that next week and the week after that, it's it's tough because likely he should be asked to do a lot more and Maybe that means he has four touchdowns next week, but maybe it also means he has two or three interceptions. They can't be afraid of that, though, and that's the problem. The, the problem is I felt like they coached with fear. Without a doubt. On the one hand, because the Broncos got the win with Drew Locke at starting quarterback, there will be some around the league who probably didn't watch the game and aren't aware of the details who tipped the cap to Rich Gangarello. <laughs> hey, you know what? You won... The first start with Brandon Allen. He won the first start with Nick Mullins. He won the st- first start with Drew Locke. He won the first start with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, getting him up to speed in the system. Good job, you. Nicely done. But I regard what happened from the second quarter on, just putting him in shackles. I regard that as fail- a failure. I think in the end some between that between Vic Fangio overruling Scangarello and the offensive coaches who wanted to take a knee with nine (laughs) seconds to go, and Vic saying, hey, why not take a shot? I think it was a very bad day for Rich Scangarello, and now I think a storyline for the rest of the season is is Rich Scangarello back for 2020. Yes, there could be yet another change at offensive coordinator because it seems clear that the coach— and the offensive coordinator, and the coach and the offensive scheme do not appear on the same page. And honestly, if there's change, that gives me hope because one thing that I did get from yesterday is that while Drew Locke can run this offense for the long term, I don't believe it is the offense that will maximize his talents. So Mace, here's a question for you because... It does look like Rich Scangarello's on the hot seat, or at least could be on the hot seat. And if you listen to Vic Fangio after the game, probably is on the hot seat. He threw him under the bus. He did. When have you publicly. seen a head coach publicly you know, eviscerate his offensive coordinator like that? I mean, Vic Fangio, man, that guy is just taking no prisoners. 
No, he's he's, he's throwing Juwan James under it. the bus. He's throwing Rich Gangarello under the bus. I love it. Who's next on his hit list? Anyone, anyone that gets in his way, he's the Godfather. Mm. He's not gonna, he's not gonna just back down. We in the media better watch out. <laughs> and Mace. So we know that in terms of Vic size, he's probably on the hot seat. But John Elway, this is his guy. John Elway wanted someone that would come in and run this system. John Elway's also talked about how he doesn't want turnover at the offensive coordinator position. He needs stability there. So on, uh, what is it, December 30th, after the Broncos' final game, are we going to... Maybe behind the scenes, is there going to be a clashing of heads between John Elway and Vic Fangio of Vic saying, we need to make a change, and John saying, no, we don't? It's fascinating. And how would that unfold? (sighs) Or do you think John's sitting up in the booth saying, boy, I love what Vic's doing, but what in the world are we doing on the offensive side? And John would buy into it. You know what? If... John Elway looks at this offense and what it's done. And look, this scheme, you've had versions of it over the last three and a half seasons. If John looks at this offense and says, hey, I want this. This is good enough. I don't know what he's looking at. (laughs) Don't forget also, when a new coach inherits a fair amount of coaches from the old staff or in the case of Vic Fangio, not only that, but has an offensive direction that is being guided above him. Sometimes there's clashing and sometimes there are changes at the end of that first season. Remember two years ago after the season finale and a five and 11 finish, you had six coaches, including three who were with the team in Super Bowl 50 that were fired on what they call Black Monday by Vance Joseph and the Broncos. Yep. So coaching changes after this season in general would have come as no surprise. The question now is, do the Broncos want to change offensive coordinators yet again? And here's what would be Because, by the way, they're still stuck on that sub- 25-point streak. They have not hit (laughs) at least 25 points since the Arizona game last year. So now it is at a mind-numbing 21 games. And what is interesting, Zach, is that in recent weeks, they get to 17 at halftime against Cleveland. They get to 20 at halftime against Minnesota. They get to 17 at halftime against the Chargers. And then they just... Go into a shell. And Mace, that's it. It wasn't that Brandon Allen and Drew Locke were throwing three picks in the second no! half to prevent you from getting there. You did not allow them to get there. And we're not talking about, okay, they got 17 in the first half. Let's see if they can get 17 again in the second half. We're not talking 34. We're talking eight points. And I'm the other thing is when you're talking about taking some downfield shots, we're not talking about plays where there's a high risk of something truly damaging happening. I'm talking about more plays like we saw to Cortland Sutton both late in the first quarter when of course Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton changed the route. Well, basically Drew Locke said, "Hey, run the fade" because Cortland wasn't going to do that unless the quarterback told him as Cortland pointed out after the game. Yep. And then at the end of the game, nine seconds to go, there was no harm in that because if the Chargers pick off the 
the pass, what, there are three seconds on the clock and they're 70 yards away and Phillip Rivers can't go that far with the ball. Just the risk-averse mentality of some NFL coaches just kills me. Yeah. And it makes for bad football and most— and worst of all, boring football, which I think in general explains why the bro- is a big part of explaining why yesterday you had nineteen thousand plus no shows, which, to my knowledge, is the most that they have announced for a game at what is now known as Empower Field at Mile High. They had some bigger no show counts back at Old Mile High Stadium. Like there was, there were twenty nine thousand no shows for a season finale in 1990. And then that Rams game, they didn't even announce the no-show count at all in 2010. But 19,000-plus no-shows is a damning indictment on what the community thinks of this organization and this team. And I think it's very interesting that Brittany Bowen (laughs) starts work today as a vice president and part of the responsibilities that she has is fan experience. Mm-hmm. And clearly, there's a lot that is not satisfactory about the fan experience because for a game in week 13, and the weather was cold, but not bad, not by Denver standards, 19,000 plus no-shows used to be absolutely unheard of even if the team was struggling. You know, it's funny, There's a Mace, big mess there. If and part of it is because the team is boring. And Mace, if everything's going right, you don't need anyone in your organization. You don't need a bowling to do it. You don't need uh, me to do it. You don't need anyone to help with fan experience if everything is going right. If you're winning football games, especially in this town, or you're scoring points in this town, people are going to show up. It doesn't matter how good or bad the fan experience is. And it's it's a shame that that's something that needs to be focused on now. Yeah, because you, you have to get people out there regardless of uh, whether the team is, is good or not. But again, the biggest thing is that this team, it's not just bad headed for its third consecutive losing season. And if they can't pull off a huge upset here in the next two weeks, probably a third consecutive year of double-digit losses. I think the people are making their voice known that even with Drew Locke starting, this isn't good enough. And I think, and if they go out there against the Texans and the Chiefs and they keep putting Drew Locke in bubble wrap and his numbers and production for those games looks much like we saw on Sunday, A, the Broncos won't have enough firepower to win in those environments. And B, I think you're going to see another friends and family, lots of empty seats crowd when the Broncos come back right before Christmas against Detroit. And May, speaking of letting the people hear their voice, we're going to dive into this offensive coordinator position and, and what could be in the future much more with our comments. But first, I got to tell you about guys about Hop Peak. Hop Peak is so delicious. Of course, a wonderful beer from Breckenridge Brewery, and Breckenridge Brewery does such a good job just taking Colorado 
and wrapping it and turning it into beer. Of course, with Colorado Core, uh, uh, with Strawberry Sky, and Hot Peak is kind of the one of the winter ones. I would say it's a, it's a true fall, uh, cold weather beer, and they do such a good job of taking the pine trees that grow in the mountains and blending it with the hops that can grow in the, in the plains and blending it into a fantastic, fantastic beer. And we're at that temperature right now. Mace, it's not so cold today. It's 40 degrees, but that's when you need something with a little pop, a little kick. And, of course, Avalanche Ale is a perfect one to go to, but also the Hot Peak. So make sure you check them out. It is a damn good beer. Make sure you check out all the Breckenridge beers because 40 degrees, anything will really work with that. And, Mace, speaking to the people, let's hear from them right after this break. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines. I find them extremely helpful in in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Welcome back to the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm, of course, Zach Stevens, joined by Andrew Mason and, of course, presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Mace, really quick, before we get into the comments, let's review our picks from the weekend. We had the Chiefs hosting the Raiders. Chiefs were 10-point favorites. Ryan said, no way. That is way too many points. Mason and I said, that is not enough points. Ryan took the Raiders. We took the Chiefs. And look at that. The Chiefs smashed them. And the Raiders have been outscored 74-12 in their last two defeats, facing what it looks like a do-or-die game next Sunday against Tennessee. Yep, exactly. And, of course, in the next game, the only other division game because it was four division teams playing each other this week. Chargers, three-point favorites. Broncos, we all took the Broncos with the points. We all took the Broncos straight up, so we're all winners today, Mace. Yeah, we all had confidence in Drew Locke making his first start. The question is, how will the picks go next Sunday? I'm very curious what that line is going to be. It's already up, so I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, you find it, and I'll get started with our first comment from our good friend, The Count, Count Locula, you're telling me that that guy played like that after only practicing nine times, nine times, I'll say that in the Ed Rooney voice because of what we've got coming. It's as if Drew said, I am not going to sit on my ass as the events that affect me unfold to determine the course of my life. I'm going to take a stand by telling Sutton we're in a fade, for example. I'm going to defend it. Right or wrong, I'm going to defend it. This is what we've been waiting for. Love the Count. And you know what? (laughs) What a great citation, Cameron Fry and Ferris Bueller's day off, having been pushed around 
emotionally eviscerated by his father. Finally, being able to pull himself off the mat, as it were, and losing it a little bit, but that was okay. He needed to lose it in sending that Ferrari, the 1961 Ferrari careening through the glass and into the ravine below. (laughs) Maybe what we're seeing is the shackles of a very conservative, some would say ultra-conservative offensive scheme and philosophy of Rich Gangarello being shaken off by Drew Locke telling Cortland Sutton to do something different. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Next, I'm coming in from DS Radish. If I'm Elway and Vic, I'm making Eric Bieniemy the highest paid offensive coordinator in NFL history. Oh boy, Broncos cannot keep this ridiculous offense next year. Well, Eric Bieniemy isn't making a lateral move from one OC position to another unless he's fired, and he's not going to be fired by the Chiefs. Don't be surprised if Eric Bieniemy ends up surfacing as a candidate in Washington and Carolina. Carolina is interesting because you may also have a GM search involved as well. They're both Ron Rivera and Marty Herney are on the hot seat, although there's some buzz that Bruce Allen may be in trouble in Washington, so they may be looking for both also. So in other words, if you want an OC, then you're either looking to OCs that have been fired I'm, t- I'm saying if you don't want a position coach, you want a play caller, you're looking at either the fired OCs or you're looking at the college ranks. I would not be opposed if the Broncos change the offense, change the philosophy to taking a long look at Joe Brady out of LSU because of the success, the success he's having with Joe Burrow. The question is, what does he want? Brady has coached in the NFL as an assistant with the Saints, but he's already surfacing as a name that could be a candidate for some college jobs. I did see a couple of articles regarding the South Florida position vacated when Charlie Strong was fired on Sunday and USF having Joe Brady potentially on its list of candidates. Yeah, it's interesting, but no matter how much you pay an offensive coordinator, if they're already someone's offensive coordinator, it's not going to matter. They're sticking there. And LSU might back up the truck to keep Joe Brady after what Joe Burrow has done this year. Absolutely. Next one coming in from Bleed Orange and Blue. Boys, it was great to be in the building for the first win of the lock era. Love having a quarterback who can extend plays and run for first downs when needed. However, it was hard to watch this team play so conservative when they had the lead. This team is, is this team scared to win or keep pushing the score? Three running plays in the red zone and only ending up getting three points? Chris Harris is no longer a top 10 cornerback in this league. Seeing it in person confirmed it for me. Wadman needs to be replaced. I don't know why they haven't brought in some other punters to compete. Perfect conditions for kicking or punting, and his punts were pathetic. What is your take on 19,000 no-shows? It was cold, but it was more based on the frustration of the fan base. It will be interesting to see how it changes at the next home game. Love the guest appearance of Charlotte from the previous podcast. Well, she loved being on. She told me it's too bad she can't be here, but she's got that little thing called school (laughs) that is back in session after a Thanksgiving break. So I expect we'll probably hear from Charlotte Again, closer to Christmas when she's hanging around here at the Wash Park Podcast Studio. Let's talk about the no-shows. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. In some ways, it was a perfect storm of circumstances that included the team being bad. Thanksgiving weekend, cold day, snow a few days earlier. Still some high winds on the prairies and up in Wyoming on Saturday uh, that caused some blowing snow. But the overriding thing is the performance of the team and frankly how the team is getting to 3 and 8 because the Broncos 
in those first 11 games, not only bad, but boring. That's the worst thing you can be. Tampa Bay, for example, even though they have attendance problems of their own, but they've been out of the playoffs now for what will be 12 consecutive seasons, they might be a bad team, or now probably graduating to mediocre at 5-7, and seven, but they're not boring. They're actually fun to watch. Arizona's a bad team, but it's fun to watch. The Broncos, they're not fun to watch. At times, boring. And frankly, this is, you look at the two games against the Chargers, for example. They score a couple of touchdowns in each of the first quarters of those games. And then six points after that in L.A., nine points after that in Denver. No touchdowns after the first quarter. And the Broncos, the last nine games, nine weeks, eight games, averaging fewer than five points per second half. Something is really wrong there. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And Mace, if it doesn't matter when the game was, how cold it was, if the team was good, there's not many no-shows. No, they, unless it's a blizzard. You can go, This is way back, 1987 season finale, Broncos playing for the number one seed in the AFC. The stadium was half full, but it was in the middle of a huge snowstorm. I think that game exists on YouTube, 1987 San Diego Denver Broncos, if you want to take a look at, at a crowd that was really held down by weather. Yesterday, that's not the kind of weather that would have kept Broncos fans away no, in the past. No, the, certainly not. The other thing about Wadman, I don't know why you don't have punter tryouts on Tuesday. He had the benefit of a couple of good bounces there and was better than Ty Long for the Chargers, which isn't saying very much. But Wadman is still in the bottom tier of NFL punters across the board. Without a doubt. Next one coming in from the Real Links. One, Hamilton sucks. Two, Scangarello sucks. Three for Mr. B. Four, Fangio, Locke, Artie looks like a great duo. Five, this was a great win and all. But to me, this game means almost nothing without the follow-up game. And the three after that, he has to build on this next week against Houston. I disagree with on that. Six, love the fire. And if this quarterback works out, then I can finally do what I haven't been able to do in four years. When we had Peyton, Demarius, Vaughn, Chris, all the guys, I could distinguish guys that I love from the pack. But in recent years, I haven't been able to attach to players like I could before. I fell in love with every man out there, minus Gangrello and Hamilton. Love the great content you guys make. You truly are the best in the business. Go Broncos. Wow, I feel life. And go DNVR. One thing I'll say on Drew Locke, you have to look at the five-game sample size here at the end of the year. Right. Building on this week, I think also is going to mean taking some lumps because inevitably Romeo Cornell, Texans defensive coordinator, is going to throw some things at Drew Locke in an attempt to confuse him. So while you want him to improve and grow, it may not be a matter of building on it and saying, okay, well, he has to have better numbers across the board. No, that's not what you're talking about in terms of building on it. You're looking for indications that he and even Rich Gangarello can adjust, and it's worrisome to see that when the Broncos do adjust, it's in getting more conservative rather than pushing the envelope. Mace is exactly right, and that's why we're happy that we have five games to look at Drew Locke is because he doesn't have to improve next week. We get to see what he does the final four games and judge off that. Absolutely. Mile high hitman. The Broncos updated draft position is who cares? It's lock and winning time again in Denver. Drew effing lock. Rule number one never looks so nice. Now let's fire that fearful and feckless skangs fella and let this kid loose. Lock greater than rivers and the bottom of the division out of chargers. Broncos swept them. Broncos swept the chargers. They did. Now, they can't sweep the Chiefs and they can't sweep the Raiders, but I'll ask you, Zach Stevens, 
what we should rather have if the Broncos can get to 500 in division play this year. A win at home in Week 17 over the Raiders or a win on the road Week 15 against the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs all day, including Sunday, December 15th, when that'll be 11 a.m., Man, Mace, could you imagine what this would do and what this would mean? It doesn't matter what happens the, the, the other three games. If Drew Locke goes into his hometown of Kansas City, knocks off the Chiefs who have dominated the division, dominated the Broncos, in his first ever time being a Denver Bronco playing the Chiefs, what that would mean. What is it now? It's an eight-game losing streak to the Chiefs? Yep. Dating back to November 2015? Yep. Haven't won since Peyton left. Wow. Time to change that. <laughs> no better person than Drew Locke to do that. Nope. Oklahoma Bronco 58. Just having hope feels great again. Still early and can't put the man in Canton yet, but everything Locke showed from early touchdowns to the interception, I love the way he carried himself. The moment was never too big for him, and he was able to respond very well, I thought, to the ups and downs of the game. Also being able to overcome ultra-conservative play calling, there's that term again, and move the ball enough against a defense that got back to full strength today, I thought was more than you could ask out of a rookie quarterback. Yeah, the stats weren't there, but what more could we realistically expect when this was his first meaningful week of practice since August? That defense has players all over it, and him being able to stay poised through it all was my biggest takeaway from the game above any stat line. I know he can't really control the play calling, but I would like to see more shots down the field, which would help out the run game. But again, it was his first start. But man, that attitude is what we've been missing for so long. If he can continue to grow off this and get better each week, this man will be the guy. Well, he, he may not get better each week. And that's the thing to remember, that the development includes some bumps. And if you're going to commit to a young quarterback, you have to accept the bumps along the way. That's just part of it. It's not going to be perfect unless he's a second coming of Dan Marino, the way he started. And while there's a lot to like about Drew Locke, I don't see him as another Dan Marino. Is he per is is he better at the end of the year than he was yesterday? And has he adjusted to how defenses have adjusted to him? And that's right. why it was so imperative for the Broncos to get him out there by week 13, or maybe even earlier than that, if yeah. uh, they'd been able to you know, move that time frame up a little bit, but they chose not to. Five games is pretty much the minimum sample size, and that's why the notion of not playing him until week 16 just made all of us want to pull the hair follicles out of our scalps. Thank goodness it was Drew Locke yesterday. Yes. Thank goodness. Next one coming in from Orange Crush. Zach, can you please promise everyone <laughs> no more Rivers talk? The guy is dead set trash now. Locke is the man. Now we just need to change this scheme and get rid of Rich. Well, when I said that, and when I said about Tom Brady, when I said about everyone, it was with the caveat that Drew Locke wasn't the guy. And of course, I, probably longer than anyone else, has believed in him so much. So yeah, I love Locke. Let's roll with him, baby. Okay. I mean, I'm still not there on Drew Locke being the guy, but I am there on saying Philip Rivers, nah, <laughs> he looks done. <laughs> and what's interesting is that the word floating around was that if Rivers left the Chargers, the only place he'd really be interested in was Tennessee, not too far from his childhood home in northern Alabama. Well, Tennessee, I think, is going to go with Ryan Tannehill for 2020. Yep. By the way, Ryan Tannehill is given a $75 million contract 
all guaranteed over three years from the Titans. Who says no? Nobody. No one. No. I think the Titans want him back. That's a fair price for him. And I think Ryan Tannehill would say, sure, let's do it. Yep. Because I think he understands his value at this point. And it's a good situation for him. Good marriage. And really, if the Titans can beat the Raiders next week, I think the Titans can start planning their postseason. They'll be back. I think so. It's all on track for them right now. Missouri Bronco. My boy, Drew Locke. Why does it feel like this time is when stuff is going to turn around? This feels like the best win this season for coaches. I'll credit the P.I. throw to Sutton instead of kneeling, but I partly blame Locke's underwhelming numbers on the play calling. So many plays in the team highlights that were head scratchers. You guys talked about the conservatism, a little reminiscent of the Foxy days. Bottom line, I think with more practice, Drew's production will increase. In my opinion, the biggest obstacle he has is damn coaching. Mace brought it up. You need your QB and OC on the same page. Easy when those two were the same person in Peyton. So a couple of things. Number one, the conservatism resembling the Fox era. What would Vic Fangio have done if he'd had Peyton Manning? 30 seconds to go. Tie game. Couple of timeouts against Baltimore. Would have gone for it. Would have told him, go for it. Go! Uh, Let's make something happen. We got Matt Prater. He's good from 60, potentially, or beyond. Yep. Try to make something happen. Yep. Especially when you have Peyton Manning. Wow. That just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yep. And definitely, you have to have the quarterback and OC on the same page. You have to have an OC and a scheme that is committed to maximizing the skills of the quarterback. I watched that game in real time, I rewatched it late last night, and I think there are valid questions about whether this offense is the right one to maximize Drew Locke. And thus, if you can't maximize the quarterback, you're not going to maximize the team. Bronco Nug says, would you consider Drew's old college head coach as an offensive coordinator option? No, Barry Odom, his background is on the defensive side. Actually, if you're looking for offensive coordinator options, well, I don't think Josh Heupel would leave UCF where he's a head coach to go be an NFL OC. The biggest numbers for Drew Locke came with Josh Heupel as an offensive coordinator before he moved on to replace Scott Frost down at UCF. Uh, Derek Dooley was the Mizzou offensive coordinator the last couple of years, including uh, for Drew Locke's senior season. But even though Mizzou had some quarterback problems when Kelly Bryant got hurt this year, I'm not looking at Derek Dooley and what that offense did and saying I want any part of that. So I'm not either. Unless you can somehow convince Josh Heupel to go from being the boss down at UCF again, like kind of like USF, that's a that's a job where it's better in terms of resources and potential than some Power Five jobs. I don't think Josh Heupel leaves that to go be an NFL OC. Yeah. Next one coming in from Swedish Bronco. I'm moving an old comment you missed. Long, a, a very long comment, but good statistics. Everyone acts like franchise quarterbacks grow on trees. Since 2000, there have been a ton of first-round quarterbacks that we can say were busts. He goes through and names 31 first-round quarterbacks that were busts. He says there's five that are still up in the air, including Winston, Trubisky, Mayfield, Darnold, and Goff. And then he says there's 14 quarterbacks taken in the first round that are franchise quarterbacks and two including two that are borderline some most recent ones luck wentz mahomes watson allen jackson and then he says is it really elway's fault we haven't successfully drafted one yet 
In my opinion, not really. Well, first of all, I would not don't regard injury guys as bust. That's kind of beyond your control. So there's a couple of guys in there that I mentioned. The other thing is like some of the busts that are mentioned in in that list, they actually led their teams to the playoffs. I think part of it is you can't, and even in the case of uh, one that jumps out, got his team to the Super Bowl. So I think the problem is is that everyone's wrapped up in the binary of saying if this guy doesn't get you a Super Bowl win he's not worthy of a top pick, and that's not the case. The Super Bowl wins and the ability to get those requires going to the playoffs, and the playoffs are somewhat random. And there are so few quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls anyways. I don't think you can kind of uh, you, you, you kind of use that as a metric. I think you're looking for, okay, is this, or even uh, being an elite quarterback, is it? does he make us better? Does he, you know, is he a top half of the league quarterback over the course of time? In that case, I'd say if he is, then, he's probably not a bust it, and, and and the narrative can change because Ryan Tannehill might be considered a bust because of what he did in Miami, but he's proving that he's anything but a bust right now. Right. And Mace for, for me to answer his question, no, it's not his fault no. that he hasn't drafted a franchise quarterback, but just everything else he's done to try to chase one since failing on Paxton Lynch is obviously his fault. Well, and, I, and that compiles. I think the Paxton Lynch miss led to some fearful moves. And I think for example, to come back to your point, you go on the kind of the Josh Allen versus Bradley Chubb discussion. I think it's just as valid to have the the Sam Darnold, the notion of trading up to get him versus Bradley Chubb discussion. And in either case, I think uh, may have been a little bit of fear there based on Paxton Lynch and how he worked out. And thus now you are kind of trying to rebuild from that. If Drew Locke can be a hit, though, no one's going to remember the misses. That's just yep. something to consider. Yep. Next one coming in from Nick Sticks. Hey, guys, this is my first comment. I am a longtime listener, but have now finally subscribed. The Black Friday discount was too good to pass up on, and I'm happy to be on board. Welcome. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate you. As RK would say in his Nick requests, got him. Anyway, I wanted to say that yesterday watching the game was the most excited I felt in a li- as a lifelong Bronco fan in a long time. While I'm not ready to crown Drew Locke, I have definitely been clamoring to get him on the field, and I do believe in his talent. With that being said, the cowardice in Scangrella's play calling from the second quarter on was infuriating to watch. I saw it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. Or I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. The Broncos coaching staff needs to learn to bury our opponents and not get comfortable with the two-possession lead in games, especially in the second quarter with so much left game left to play. I also wanted to say that it was fun going back and forth with Mason, some other Broncos fans this past weekend, over a couple of mock drafts I posted on Twitter. I was also chiming in with you. It's fun to start thinking about the draft, but even more fun if we know that Locke is the guy. Sorry for rambling on, but it was... But with it being my first time commenting, I can't help it. I'll save some for future posts, but I just want to say I'm excited to be a part of the DNVR community, even though I live in Vancouver, Washington. Keep up the great work. I wish I could try some Breck brews, but luckily I live in Bariva, where, or Bravana, where up here. Beervana. Oh, Beervana, of course. In the Pacific Northwest, perhaps I'll make it over to Denver sometime in the future for a game and have a couple with you fine gents at the tailgate. Go Broncos. Yeah, Vancouver, Washington, you know, just across the Columbia River from Portland and the Portland yep. metropolitan area. So yes, Portland in particular is Beervana. So that's a that's a good one. Swedish Bronco, a week or two we discussed owners, and I just want to return to that subject for a moment, even though it's quite quite unrelated from Locksgiving. 
Both Mace and a few members of the community have been uncertain about having Jeff Bezos as owner since he's an exploiter of the working class and abuser of Amazon's monopoly. Yeah, that's unlikable, but in the same breath, you want the Abu Dhabi royal family as an owner. Same family which bombs school buses, creates a family that kills women and kids in the thousands, millions starving. Didn't get a clear answer from that so the last time, so I'll try again. Why do you feel the perpetrator of workforce abuse is worse than the perpetrator of 85,000 children's deaths from starvation? Yes, the coalition uses starvation as a weapon in the war. I really don't like Bezos, but to be honest, City Football Group is far, far, far worse. The people that are involved with running Manchester City as a club, they're not act they're not involved with any of that. You can again, we can talk about Russian oligarchs. We can talk about the skeletons in all of these closets. None of them are gonna be perfect. I just know that the people that are actually involved in the sports operation have done a good job with those Frank with those clubs. So you're not going to get a perfect owner that is, you know, full of wonderful good tidings and nothing but good treatment. And I know that's a similar answer that I gave you, Swedish Bronco. That's my answer. And so I'm sorry. It's probably not what you want to hear, but I, I'm not. My opposition to Jeff Bezos, honestly, it's not based on the the workplace stuff. I know that some people are focused on that. The biggest part of my opposition for Jeff Bezos is I don't know how involved he's going to be because he's got other interests. I don't know where the Broncos would rank on the list of of priorities for him compared to the other stuff. Whereas we know with the people, whether it's talk, you're talking about people uh, like the Russians who run Chelsea, Roman Abramovich, uh, Manchester city, et cetera, you know, that they show a commitment to their sports franchises. Well, and that's why Brittany Boland could be great because it's, you, you don't have to worry about any of that. So Swedish Bronco probably pulling for Brittany as a lot of us are next one coming in from Iceman. Hey boys, third quarter grade on another two and two record is a C Three-fourths of the season overall grade equals a C-minus. The Denver Broncos are no longer a bad football club. And Drew, Stephen Locke, unlocked Pandora's box, threw it in the South Platte, and he can never be locked up again. Go Broncos, Locke, DNVR, Zoomies, Mines. You could say in some ways he was locked up by the play calling. <laughs> he certainly was. Oh, Let's man. Hope those come off next week. Yeah, Carpaccio, Chris, victory Monday, boys. It feels damn good. I ordered my lock jersey on Friday. It took a bit of a chance, but I really believe in this kid like we all do. It was either lock, Jano, or Sutton. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mind a Jackson jersey either. Dude was a beast. On last side, one last side note. All of a sudden, Roby is a baller. WTF, man. <laughs> yeah, next Sunday, he a storyline is going to be, can Bradley Roby get his revenge on the Denver Broncos? Yep. Or does Drew Locke? Maybe Bradley Roby shows up for work every day now. <laughs> I'm sure he's not uh, taking today off yeah. after what he did yesterday. You get personal days in the season? <laughs> nope. Next one coming in from Lasagna Lance. I'm reminded of a time during the Vikings game where it was a third down with about five or six yards to move the chains, and Brandon Allen hands it off to Booker, who gets totally stuffed, and RK sarcastically tweets, you just got to hand it to Devontae Booker in that situation. I had that same moment during this game with Booker. Moronically, destroyed the Chargers punter, setting up their first three points of the game and ultimately shifting the momentum. I couldn't help but think, you just got to have Booker out there making plays on special teams in this situation. Seriously, this guy is a wasted roster spot. Would rather see Winfrey out there. Same goes for Hamilton. I can't forgive a guy who drops a ball that easy as frequently as he does in the NFL. I felt about as frustrated watching them as I did watching Keenum overthrow a wide open Demarius Thomas in the first matchup against Kansas City last year. Okay. Um, Devontae Booker wouldn't have been a wasted roster spot if you had an injury to Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman. Then he would have had to play. But that being said, if Lindsay and Freeman are healthy, 
I don't know. I mean, you're you're going to have three running backs active just because of the roster calculus, and if you lose one of them, you need Booker to come in. But, man, it just seems like bad moments seem to just find him. Yep. And I think it's a pretty good bet that Devontae Booker is not on the Broncos in 2020. He has an expiring contract. There are running backs coming through the draft and undrafted ranks every year. Devontae Booker is easily replaced. Heck, maybe you re-sign Theo Riddick. Well, I would rather see that. Of course, I would too. Theo Riddick would have been interesting if Kevin Hogan hadn't gotten him killed. <laughs> yep, exactly. Next one coming in from Make the Broncos Great Again. Cheers, boys, to a Broncos win. Thank you for getting us through another miserable season until this moment when the Broncos fans finally have something to hope for and cheer about once again. Sorry for the call-out, but more than once during training camp, RK and Zach were so high on Skangs that you predicted that he would only be an offensive coordinator here in Denver for one or two years before he was picked to be a head coach. Let's make the right call here on this. Make Broncos great again. RK said that many times. I was on wait and see mode with Skings, being a guy that had barely any NFL experience. I said something similar on the old late radio station, but I always said, if he works out. Right. right. You always had to put that caveat on there. Yeah. He continues to say, sorry, but his play calling makes John Fox look aggressive. What did you guys see that made you so high on him back in back then that is clearly not now. In my opinion, Skangs will be lucky to keep his job next year, let alone be a head coach. Love that Fangio publicly called him out at the podium and said that the first thought was that the offensive coaches need to take a knee. I said no. That is a direct public call out to Skangrello, and I hope the offensive coach got the message loud and clear. Really quick, Mace, since, we, since we've been doing this pod, um, Fangio has gone on radio and said that Skangrello asked him if he wanted to take a knee. didn't necessarily say he wanted to take a knee. If that changes anything. Okay. <laughs> Trying to walk it back here. Huh? <laughs> yep. I say don't walk it back. Yeah. You know, don't walk back what you're saying about Juwan James. We could keep a... Oh, uh, he hasn't done that. That's you know sure. what we need to do? What? Uh, this could be a t-shirt. Vic Fangio driving a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. backing it up. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now we're, we see it with Jawan James. I wonder what Vic is going to say about Jawan James today. Well, he, he said this he said this multiple weeks in a row, so he's not going to be backing it up. Yeah. Mr. Freeze. You know what I didn't think about once while watching an exciting Bronco win? Hurting their draft position. It's crazy what a slump we've got into where climbing the draft board is what we root for instead of winning. By the way, the Broncos did go from 5th to 11th with that win yesterday in the draft. Do you care? I don't care if Drew Locke is the guy. Right. Here's the thing. Mason. If Drew Locke is not the guy, I care. I think if Drew Locke's not the guy, we'll know pretty darn quick. He's not going to continue to rack up wins, especially two difficult road wins if he's not the guy. So I think it'll all figure itself out. Look, the Broncos have four wins right now. It's not like we're talking about an eight-win team. They could still go 4-12, and 12, and then they'll have a pretty darn good pick. And I think the most likely outcome for this season is still in that 5-11 and 11 range. So... Yeah. Yeah, you always want to see Drew Locke and how he bounces back from what's going to be thrown at him in the next couple of weeks. Bronco Matt, hey guys, just wanted to drop by and say I'm grateful for my per- that my prediction Locke would never play was 100% wrong. Ryan made a comment that this was Locke hate, which is not true. I've loved Locke, but I had no faith Elway would ever play the guy. Now let's hope Drew Locke's in this franchise. <laughs> I feel like Broncos country is craving a quarterback to back. Let us hope Drew becomes the guy. Have a great Monday. You know, our friend and uh, the head of this organization, Brandon Spano, we were talking at the tailgate yesterday, and 
he made a good point, I thought, that this town needs the quarterback to be the guy. That over the years, whether it's been John Elway, Peyton Manning, or even guys like Jake Plummer, Brian Greasy, Jay Cutler, for the mo- even Tim Tebow for that brief period, had a quarterback that the town and the fan base could rally around. Hasn't had that the last few years. No. And just it's aching for Drew Locke to be the guy. Yeah. Just aching for somebody to rally around and boost and support. Let's hope he's worthy of it. And if you're aching for Drew Locke content, boy, did we hook you up on the DNVR.com Are last we sure night. we're not DrewLock.com? <laughs> we may as well be DrewLock.com. And we want you guys to roll with us. So make sure that if you like this podcast and you want to support us, that is how you do it, is by joining our family here at the DNVR.com. You get a free t-shirt with joining. You get the coverage of all of our Broncos coverage, plus every other sport that we cover. And you get to support us directly and local journalism. So please jump on board. And maybe we're still doing the promo code. So if so, use the code Zach, Z-A-C, or Mace, M-A-S-E, to ride with us. And speaking of supporting local businesses, that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've certainly already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that can cut that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and make sure you tell them who sent you. Mace, we rallied up the people, so we got a lot of comments, and we got to make sure that we can talk to Vic Fangio. So, a little speed comment round. From FYTB underscore 512. Fellas, been a while since I've commented. It's because I've been blown away by the content and covers you boys have been providing the whole season. Anyway, I wanted to gripe out something. Either you guys addressed it or someone from this community would, so it left me to just sitting back and listening. Well, I've got something to share with y'all, and it goes beyond the excitement of yesterday's win with Locke and McManus being clutch when it mattered most. I'd like to introduce our newest Bronco member, Lucas Mateo, or Lucas Mateo, pardon me. He was born a week ago, but with the late nights, I wasn't able to share this wonderful news until now. I'd like to make a request about some DNVR merch. Can you guys make a window sticker that says, Little Bronco on board and have a picture of a baby Denver Bronco with a pacifier? <laughs> that sounds awesome. That's a I great idea. It. I appreciate all the work you guys put in for us fans to have a platform to share the highs and lows of our beloved Broncos. Go Broncos, and congratulations to you and the addition to your family. Absolutely. Welcome, Lucas, to the family. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're so happy to have another member on board. Next one coming in from Broncos East Coast 58. Hey, guys, we finally got what we've been asking for. After taking the trip to Buffalo to watch the disaster of a game, I was almost completely done with this team. And here we are, Locke bringing me back in again. There is hope. Also, can we be done with Hamilton? He has had multiple drops in big moments this year, and he just doesn't have it. 
Well, I think he may have napalmed the trust of another quarterback by dropping that pass. If he catches that ball, he's got six points. Yeah. The game is over. Yeah. And Deshaun Hamilton has touchdown. Drew Locke has three touchdowns for the game. Man, yeah. <sighs> yeah. You got to go shopping for receiver depth in the offseason. Yeah. And I think it may be both the draft and free agency. Yeah. I agree. I completely go looking for a true slot, but you know, kind of talked a little bit about that in the off season. You think, man, a Cole Beasley or an Adam Humphreys yeah. would have looked awfully good here. Yeah. Certainly would have. John Brown. Yeah. Dexter that says, too. Are we in the mode where Locke did exactly what Allen did in his first start and we say he did greater? Ooh, um No. No. Because to me, Allen put up the magnificent numbers. Where Mace, I said right after that game, if Allen plays the way he did, Broncos are going to get smoked in Minnesota. And what happened? He ended up playing that way. Broncos lost. And then what happened the next week? He played that way, and it was awful. Drew Locke didn't actually put up the magnificent numbers. He played much better than the numbers would indicate. So he played way better than Brandon Allen did. Against a much better defense. Remember that Charger defense was basically the closest to full strength it's been all year. Yeah. And the line kept him clean. He got the ball out quickly. Yep. Worked out pretty well for him. Dan Burke, do y'all agree on the Stafford comp for Locke? To me, he's very similar to Stafford, but has the athleticism and ability to throw off schedule like Rodgers. Speaking of which, something I find interesting is that it was reported that the Broncos traded up for Locke because the Packers and Lions both wanted to take him in the second round despite having established starters in place. It's possible that both teams viewed Locke as a potential franchise QB that just needed some time to sit and develop. Interesting that Locke is probably playing for the Lions right now if they drafted him, though. Very interesting. Uh, Bucky Brooks was the guy who made the Drew Locke, Matthew Stafford comparison. We interviewed him at the Combine, and he went straight to Matthew Stafford as the comp. What do you think? I don't like it. I don't I think hope, it's so far off, but I don't think it— I mean, when you I have, hope he's better than Matthew Stafford. All that, though that being said, Stafford is, is an example of a quarterback who has made his team better, even though the postseason success, Super Bowl success— has not been there. He's done a good job. Mace, He's a we, franchise quarterback. We talked about this last night, and I think the the I think it was off air. The better comp is Carson Wentz. Yeah, it, for for him in terms of what he brings to the table in terms of his mobility and throwing on the run. Matthew Stafford doesn't do that, and the arm strength I think for Drew Locke is right there with Carson Wentz. But again, system scheme, right? This doesn't play to Drew Locke's strengths. Yeah. No, it doesn't, unfortunately. <laughs> Man, put him in a Carson Wentz offense. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, you're getting more than uh, six points in the second I want to see something more dynamic than yes. this. This is, I, I've just, I think I'm, I've just had it with this yeah. scheme. I want to see something different. Yeah, me too. Next one from Junior Pancakes. Happy Drew Sember, fellas. I swear I'm happier than a tornado in a trailer park this Monday morning. Damn. Broncos win and Drew looked like a man. Okay, I need to calm down. He only threw for 134 yards and added an interception. I need to take a step back and realize this is just one game and we have the Texans next week. Actually, screw that. I'm pulling an arcane, drinking the Kool-Aid. Drew's the future. Deshaun Watson, Bubba Watson, Emma Watson. It don't matter. Broncos by 100 next week. Woo! And Mace, 
Broncos are nearly underdogs by 100. They are 10-point underdogs next week. Are you surprised? They're on the road at Houston. Houston just beat the Patriots. By the way, the Broncos will face two consecutive teams here coming off of games against the Patriots because the Chiefs take on the Patriots next Sunday as well. By by the way, you see Casey Hayward's comments about Drew Locke. What did he say? He said, quote, and he had the number off here. He only had 139 passing yards. (laughs) because <laughs> he was asked whether it was whether or not it was hard preparing for Bronco for Drew Locke. And he, he t- then he talked more about Cortland Sutton. Well, here's than the Drew thing. Locke. The Chargers don't know how to lose. They're so bad. Every time no, they, they know win, how to lose. They don't know how to win. Every time the Chargers lose, though, they're just talking like they won the game. It's pathetic. Okay. Uh, now Allen I see what it. you mean. Okay. Keenan Allen did it at, earlier this year. Uh, I think he did it even last year. It's pathetic. They are awful. They just got swept. They need to shut their mouth. Yeah. All of their losses have been by one score, by the way. Wow. And people think the Broncos should be better than their record. Yep. The Chargers are really that team. Right. That says, man, we should be winning these close games. Yep. And we're not. And look, they were a playoff team last year. They've had regression in a big, big way. And that regression... Because of the age of Philip Rivers might mean major changes are on the way. I doubt we'll see Philip Rivers guiding the Chargers when they come back to Denver next year. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think it is? I have no idea. Justin Herbert? No, man. I wouldn't mind if they picked him at all because I'm not sold on Herbert. I'm not either. (laughs) (laughs) Pig Tosser 66. Couldn't have asked for a better start to the Drew Locke five-game audition. He showed everything you want to see in a QB, and anyone who says anything different is just being a hater and just wants to keep pushing their anti-Elway narrative. And please don't compare this to Brandon Allen's first start or Lincher, Simeon, or Keenum. This was different. It was very obvious. I'm not saying he's the answer yet, but I'm very encouraged couple other thoughts. Number one, watching yesterday should make it clear that we have been rebuilding for two years. Young players making plays, playing all over the field on both sides of the ball. If Locke is the guy, this team is close. Two, I noticed Locke looking down at the wristband quite a bit after the first quarter. Did that have something to do with why we went so conservative? I'm searching for a reason, and if that isn't it, then we are in big trouble moving forward with the coaching staff's mindset. Coaching philosophy is something that is rooted deep in someone and isn't likely to ever change Thanks, guys. You are the best, hands down. Thank you. And I, he was looking at the wristband in the first quarter, too, just based on my observations. It's just part of him was. Uh, not really being familiar with the scheme and having to lean, lean on that a little bit. But that being said, it also kind of shows how complicated it is right. and maybe that the Broncos need to simple to change and simplify. Boy, yeah, to help your rookie. That makes sense, doesn't it, Mace? Ideally. Next, next one from Lone Star Bronco. Hey, guys. Been trying like hell to catch up since I was MIA for a week and half of my honeymoon. That being said, do you think Locke will face any kind of doghouse treatment from either Fangio or Skanks for his Im- improv to Cortland? We'll find out today. I'm going to ask Vic. Also, do you think Vic stands a chance of getting Elway to replace Skanks at the end of the season for someone more Locke-friendly if he shows to be the guy? Shouldn't a coach be in charge of who his OC is? Thanks, and keep up the great work. Boy, you guys are just hitting on all of our first segment talk. I love it. Well, what's interesting is, of course, uh, Vic Fangio did want Gary Kubiak. But Vic Fangio has also been around some offenses that uh, were different and were successful. So I'm fascinated to see what Fangio thinks and uh, where he wants to go on this because clearly this isn't good enough. And uh, he, even though he did walk back the comments about Skangarello a little bit when he was on KOA this morning. He's not happy with it. 
Right. Clearly not happy with the direction of the offense. Yep, clearly. Brian Boss says, hey, quick comment. Just wanted to back up RK here and say one thing that stuck out to me is he's the first quarterback I've seen in the last four years that gives his receivers a chance to run upfield on a quick out route, throwing across his body. Arm strength matters. Remember when people thought Joe Flacco had arm strength? Yep. It was just by comparison to Case Keenum. But Drew Locke actually has an NFL arm in terms yep. of strength and what he can put on the ball. And see, that's the arm strength that matters is what, what Drew Locke can actually do. It's not just can he go out and throw the ball 70 yards downfield or does he physically have a big arm like Joe Flacco? It's 10 to 15 yards to the sideline or close to it. It's like that Troy Fumagalli throw yep. back in Seattle in the preseason. Bronco Gator 87, I can imagine there will be a lot of comments after this pod, so I will keep this relatively short. There's much to be said about Locke's first start. The only thing I want to say is that he, at least he didn't look like the deer in headlights that was Paxton Lynch. That is all. Yeah, Paxton Lynch looked that way. It's a great point. I also thought Brandon Allen looked that way. Yeah. Under the rush. And, and I didn't, didn't see that like from that Drew at all. He threw one bad pass in the first series. He said that was his jittery moment. He came back out and looked great. Let a touchdown drive. Next one from Brian Boz again. Another quick comment. Can Noah Fant locate a freaking ball in the air? Does he need glasses, a new helmet? Is this something you can practice? What the heck? Well, I think McCaffrey and Addict had a good response, so I'm just going to read his because it makes sense, and it's what I feel too. If he wasn't looking back when Drew released the pass, it's nearly impossible to look back, realize the ball was already thrown, and adjust to a back shoulder pass like that. Does Fan have issues with midair location? Yes, but I give him a pass on that one, pun intended. It's hard for me to continue to, to give him passes because this is something we know he has really really struggled with so if i'm rich gangarello i'm i'm waiting until the off season to let him practice on that now i'm just not doing those type of passes and that's that's damning it certainly is damning djc 15 mace is right about qb wins qb wins are what i'd call a souvenir stat it's a cool thing for fans to know and point at but it doesn't actually matter in terms of evaluation of a qb football is vastly more dependent on team play to win than any other sport also want to say I'm thankful for y'all this holiday season. When I lived in Denver last year, I didn't know anyone having moved from Texas and meeting Zach and Ryan at the Varsity Tavern place during a tornado warning. And then the draft part was one of the few moments I had much interaction last year as I was a shut-in most of the time. And when I moved back to Texas at the end of last year, I had lost the college friends I had made before. So listening to y'all every day and hearing my questions and comments answered on the pod has been one of the only things that has made me feel valued in a long time. Don't really have any friends, and having depression makes it really hard when you are treated like no one hears you or cares. So at least having y'all hear me on even something as trivial as Broncos talk means a lot. Thank you, and have a happy holiday season. Love y'all. Hey, we love you, DJC15. Thank you so much for rolling with us. And, of course, we're always here for you. Yeah, Always, always. That, That means so much. We love you right back, DJC15. But I've dealt with depression myself, man, so I, I empathize and kind of understand where you are i've been at that point myself and uh i hope you you got a good support system there to kind of help you out and i hope in some small way uh we continue to to kind of help you and give you something to lean on that that really that really sticks that really sticks with me man that's yeah yeah and that, that 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 gets to me it it, it it absolutely does and thank you for thank you for opening up and, yeah. and, and reaching out thank you for like you trust us like this yeah I mean, that's just kind of powerful what we do in a way it I mean, is it is Anyway, 8-Bit Bronco. Hello, guys. 8-Bit here, and greetings from Maine. Happy to join off the Black Friday deal with us making this my first comment. Wanted to join before I saw the team play in Buffalo. Yikes! But was unable to. Quick backstory. My late father was a Broncos fan, and so I was raised a Broncos fan. 
Grew up in Denver before moving to New England halfway through junior high. Being in New England and dealing with Pats fans for 15 years has made me a hardened Broncos fan. Anyway, I think Locke looked good, but we need to pump the brakes for now. No. Though I do feel hopeful again. Yes, we do. <laughs> also, who can we look at in the third cornerback spot in the draft or free agency? Yes, I think we keep Chris. Sorry for the long comment. I wish I had your optimism on the Broncos keeping Chris Harris Jr. Just don't see that happening. Corner is going to have to be a high priority in the draft and in free agency. You know, we'll be looking hard at the senior bowl at the senior bowling shrine game at the cornerbacks down there because yep. uh, unless you pick Jeffrey Oku to top of the draft, you're probably looking at day two for the corners yep. once again. Yep, I would agree with you, Mason. Next one from Mick Addict. Drew Sember is here, boys. Quick takeaway from the game. We have great young talent. Locke to Sutton was awesome. Vets still have some juice. How about that game from Wolf? The coaches are holding this team back. From every indication, Vic is the only reason this team has any spine, so that means Skanks needs to be gone at the end of the season. Mace, you said you're not going to be able to solve the cornerback problem if you lose Chris Harris Jr. based on where you're picking. I couldn't disagree more. You mean you need a top 10 pick to replace a guy that was undrafted? Chris's existence disapproves your point. Don't forget we have a guy that I really like in Bosby, and I think a lot of us are forgetting about because he got hurt. Maybe Callahan is a factor next year. Simmons himself was a third rounder. Come on with that nonsense. And let's go through that. Chris Harris Jr. wasn't really Chris Harris Jr. until year two. Number one. Number two, the odds on Chris Harris Jr. succeeding to that degree as an undrafted quarterback are astronomical compared to those of first round pick. Justin Simmons really hasn't been the Justin Simmons that we're raving about until this year. So it took him three years. You're think I'm thinking of okay, what do you need to do to find that guy at that level for 2020? It's probably not going to be from the draft. Even a Jeff Okuda probably cannot replicate Chris Harris Jr. right away. Denzel Ward, top five pick back in 2018. He's had his ups and downs. And Devontae Bosby showed some flashes. I don't think he's a cornerback one. That's just the reality of it. And yeah. so, yeah, Chris's existence, it doesn't disprove the point. Chris is the kind of the exception that proves the rule, right. actually. Ex exactly. Samuel B. Sue says, Hey, guys, can you please tell me why, oh, why is Devontae Booker still on this team? He is my least favorite player on the Broncos. On the other hand, A.J. Johnson is becoming one of my favorite Broncos on this team. Devin, who? Who is your favorite and least favorite current Bronco? Happy Drew Sember to all the DNVR fans. Really don't want to go on the record picking favorite and least favorite, so sorry, I have to pass on that one covering this team. I like that. I know it's a cop out, <laughs> but it is what it is. World of suck. Little bit of a tinfoil hat comment here. I'm trying to understand the offensive play calling for the last 45 minutes. I have two hypotheses. Number one, when we up went up 14, Scangarello scaled back the playbook, so Houston will be limited in their lock film study. Number two, as Lion detailed in his story, Lock has it. I don't know if Skangs likes that. As we heard from Cortland, Lock isn't a system QB who submits to every win of, win of the OC. Dude, change the play in his second drive ever. If Skangs wants total control like Kyle Shanahan has in SF, he would not like Lock. Yeah, if if Scangrello's scaling the playbook back so that Houston doesn't have enough film on him, that's also just a terrible decision. No, because part of what you're trying to find out about Drew Locke is what he does as teams adjust to the film they do have on him. Yeah, exactly. So don't go into a shell after one quarter. You got to keep playing. You need film on him too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nashville Joey says, the most excited I've been watching a Broncos game since week one. Skangrello's, Skangrello's play calling with a lead makes me want to punch my head through a wall. Also, 
I'm with Mace. Why is Wadman on this team? Drew Sember is here. Yeah, I don't think any of us have Wadmania. Nice enough guy, but I think he can do a lot better as a punter. And yeah. I think you look at the draft for a punter. Again, get me get me one of those Australian kids with a cannon for a leg. Love those guys. <laughs> yep. Bumpy Buffalo, too early to start using DFL? No. What, I'm... Drew for life? <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm all the way there. DFL, baby. Sir James Radio, more or less an obscure observation, but in line with what Ryan was saying, Cream Jackson's closing speed reminds me a lot of Duke Ian Oxshow during 2013 when he, made the, when he made that strong push to start overtaking Mike Adams. The best part of this comparison being Jackson isn't flashing for a starting job, but rather is consistent with it throughout his career. Also, A.J. Johnson, Justin Simmons, and Drew Locke make me very, very happy. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of reasons to be very, very happy today. Yes. Yeah. Drew Sember. It's underway. <laughs> it's here. And it's lovely. Alaska Preston. Am I the only one who feels like this evaluation chair comes equipped with stirrups and restraints? I'm sure Skangs agrees with Zach and would rather take the hot seat instead. He might deserve it after that three-play, three-run drive following the muffed punt. I want to take a second to thank you guys. For some reason, my area in Utah only had the Chiefs game available, so all my Broncos game info, info came from Twitter accounts of you three. Sorry, Mace. I thought I already followed you. I guess Mile High retweets you so much, I just assumed it was. I barely, I just barely gave you a follow. My question is this. What streaming service or otherwise would you guys recommend to make sure I don't miss Broncos games if it's not televised in my area? How did you guys watch them when they're out of town and you don't travel? Thanks for the time, and God bless DNVR. Well, watching them when they're out of town and not traveling here in Denver is just as simple as turning on whatever channel is showing the game, whether it's the CBS affiliate, Channel 4, or the Fox affiliate, uh, Channel 31, or uh, the NBC affiliate, Channel 9. Um, well, unfortunately, it's just... The NFL is so tied in with DirecTV that that's kind of the streaming service that if you have a dish, then or if you have the ability to have a dish, then that's what you have to do. I think a lot of people go on Reddit to find some. There some are streams. some illegal streams. And look, I know people have done that. I have admittedly am off illegal streams because 10 years ago, I used one to watch a U.S. World Cup soccer qualifier and it infected my computer with viruses. Oh, it had to be no. totally cleaned out and redone. Well, so maybe don't do that. Though. You know what? <laughs> I, I know other people do it. I can't do that. Sorry. Luke Skylocker to wrap us up. The forces with young Drew. But isn't Scangarello the worst second-half play caller we've seen in a long time? He's going to suck the joy right out of this team. Look, I don't think you can argue with 39 second-half points in the last eight games, the fewest in the NFL. That right there, that's a damning stat. It is. I probably should write more about it. Maybe I will today. You're killing Scangarello with facts, Mace, as it should be. And Mace and I are on our way to go talk to Vic Fangio and see what he has to say about Rich Gangrel. All that play calling. Make sure you tune in to thednvr.com today for the most updated facts and, and, and going on with the Broncos. Mace, we'll talk to everyone tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us and happy Victory Monday.
Lincoln Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.